as we find our place in Psalm 126. Let's stand again and just read verses 5 and 6 together. Again, uh, good to see so many of you here. You know, Sunday on Mother's Day is usually a fun fruit basket turnover and churches in an area because I know a lot of uh, our Trinity family are in worship somewhere else with their mother, and then there are others who are in worship here that may be members at another church that you came to worship with your mother. And we're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for, for being a part of this special service. Now that you've found your place, Psalm 126, it says, Those who sow in tears, verse 5, shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth, and I think we're not violating any biblical hermeneutic to say, she also that continually goes forth, weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his or her sheaves with them. Father, we thank you for your word for us today. Thank you for this Mother's Day where we can celebrate and honor those who have been a blessing to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I certainly want to take time to honor my wife and the mother of my children this morning. I thank God for her. And, uh, you know, you you go through uh, good, good seasons and difficult seasons of life, and she is so faithful to honor Christ in those good times as well as those difficult times. And I also want to thank God this morning for my mom who uh, replied to a text this morning saying that she would be with a, um, another mom's child because she was called into surgery. She's a nurse, and she was called into emergency surgery this morning. And by the way, all moms are nurses, right? You know, if, if the bleeding's a little bit too bad, dad might have to come in and help out a little bit. But all moms are actually nurses. I know a few dads that would say, no, don't call me if they're bleeding. <laughs> All right. Um, the title of the message this morning, Mom's Own Mission. Mom's Own Mission. We've been talking about everyone everywhere and the importance of taking the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone everywhere. And I don't know that there is anyone any more spiritually and emotionally equipped to touch a life like a mom. This past week, family and, and friends rejoiced at the discovery and, and rescue of Amanda Berry, Gina De Jesus, Michelle Knight, and a six-year-old girl that was assumed to be the daughter of Amanda Berry. They had been held captive in a house of horrors for around ten years. And if you were watching the news like me, you probably thought like I did, I cannot fathom what it would be like for my children to have been held captive like that for such a period of time. I could not understand what they might have gone through during that time, nor could I imagine the kind of rejoicing that might have gone on in the life of these parents when they found out that their kids were still alive and that they had been found, that they had been rescued, and they had been discovered. I can imagine the prayers that went up and one particular lady spoke of how often she prayed for one of these girls to someday be found, to someday be rescued. Lord willing, our children will never have to experience that kind of bondage. 
and that people we love will never have to go through something like that. But I want to remind us, spiritually speaking this morning, there is a bondage that is even more severe, and an abduction that can lead to an eternity that is a greater horror than can ever be known by someone who has been taken captive in this world, on this earth, and that is eternal separation from God. There is a bondage called sin, and the abductor is Satan himself. And there are those here this morning that would say, and my kids are being held captive. They're held captive by sin now, and I pray that they will not spend eternity separated from God because of this great abduction called sin. We are all on a rescue mission so that in eternity we will see our loved ones again and others as well as our own family members. For Israel, in Psalm 126, captivity had been Babylon. The assault had taken place decades earlier. But after the decree of Cyrus, Israel had begun to come back after the Babylonian captivity. Under leaders like Ezra and Nehemiah, they had started to rebuild, and the psalmist is able to rejoice in all of this rescue that had taken place. He says in verse 1, When the Lord brought back the captivity, we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue was singing. They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. But the prayer continued. See, there were those who had been in captivity in Babylon, who had been brought back, who had made pilgrimages back to Israel. But there were still many who had not made their way back. And so the prayer in verse 4 was, Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the desert, as streams in that Negev, that south. Lord, bring back... Bring back our captive. As we read this this morning, I want us to think about a mother's heart. A mother's heart and a mother's mission who does not want to see her children or her grandchildren held captive to sin. And certainly, dads, this applies to us just as much. The New Testament parallel to Psalm 126, 5 and 6 would be that picture in Acts of the church in revival, of redemption and restoration happening when people come to faith in Christ. Many preachers have talked about the, the task and, and the, the tears and the triumph of the soul winner using Psalm 126, 5 and 6. But this morning, if we can take the liberty to apply this even more specifically to that mom who might be here on mission to see her children rescued. Again, while originally descriptive of Israel, later applied to the church. All of us can apply this this morning, but especially that mom who wants to see her children come to know the Lord, come to be rescued, come to Christ. Or perhaps, mom, perhaps they're a child of God. Just like in Israel, there were children of Israel that had faith in God, but they were still in captivity. Perhaps they're a child of God, they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they have slipped into some kind of sinful bondage, and you want to see them break free. And so let's look at the mother's task for a moment. What is a mother's task? It's sowing. It's, it's bearing precious seed for sowing. As we look at verse 5, those who sow in tears. Verse 6, he or even we could say the mother who continually goes forth 
bearing seed for sowing. Agriculture often became a, a spiritual allegory for the kingdom of God or a spiritual allegory for kingdom work. Agriculture today also illustrates the same thing. As a matter of fact, this past Tuesday night, we had this place absolutely packed with folks because there was an FFA, Future Farmers of America Banquet. And as a former winner of the Creed Contest, I would like to be able to quote it from beginning to end to you this morning, but I'm only going to try to say the second paragraph, and I'm going to cheat just a little bit if that's okay. But some of you who are, are, are astute members of, of Future Farmers of America, you might can say this along with me in your heart, but it says this, I believe that to live and to work on a good farm or to be engaged in other agricultural pursuits is pleasant as well as challenging. For I know the joys and discomforts of agricultural life and hold an inborn fondness for those associations which even in hours of discouragement, I cannot deny. Now think about what that says about farming. It says there's good times, but there's bad times. But I have something on the inside of me that says, I love it. We're going to work through this. It's going to come together. Let's apply that as, a, as the mom who is bearing seed for sowing here. Seed that she is planting in her kids, the Word of God and the work of God. Could she say, I believe that to live as a good mom and to be engaged in all of a mom's activities, it's pleasant, but it's also challenging. For I know the joys, aren't there one, that there are joys that only a mom can experience in life and the discomforts. <laughs> Sometimes moms just want to say, thank you very much. The joys and the discomforts of the life of a mom. But I have something on the inside of me. A strong affection. That even in those moments of discouragement, you can't take it away. I cannot deny it. Why is it hard work? <laughs> Why is it hard work to be a mom? It's because sin... Uh, Sin is in this world. It is prevalent. Kids are born into this kind of bondage. Psalm chapter 51, verse 5, David says, Even from the moment of conception, I was a sinner. I was conceived as a sinner. I, I was born as a sinner. And it doesn't take too long to figure out the theological doctrine of depravity is true for all people, all places, all time. So our kids are born into some kind of sinful bondage. As a matter of fact, in verse 4, they're praying for that captivity. Lord, set them free. And so moms begin to understand that their task is to put this seed of truth, of the Word of God, of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, because of the lostness. Maybe as they get older, they're dealing with some kind of addiction. Maybe they're saved, but they're battling the flesh. But it's the work of the mom to plant the seeds of the truth of the Word of God in her children. And for the dad, dad's not to let you off the hook, but to be the spiritual leader in that process, equipping her to do the same. Planting those seeds of the Word of God. Mom, there is no more important work that you could ever do than nurturing your children 
with the Word of God, then watering your children with the truth of this book, planting this deep in their soul, deep in their heart, that they might be rescued from the bondage that is sin. Nothing is more difficult than that, but nothing is more rewarding than planting that seed. Romans 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so we've got to keep the Word of God in our homes and before our kids. James chapter 1, verse 21, reminds all of us to lay aside all filthiness and, and to lay aside the wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. Now here's the interesting thing. We hear that verse and we say, receive the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. And we think, yes, it's receive the Gospel so I can be born again. My soul can be saved. But think about this. James was writing to believers. He was writing to the church. Those who had a relationship with Christ. Those who had already been saved by grace through faith. And he says, it can save your souls. It's speaking of a rescue there. See, we are saved from the punishment of sin at the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and become a child of God. But throughout our life, the process known as sanctification is our being saved from the power of sin. And and moms, we not only want to see our children come to, to saving faith at an early age as possible, but we want to see them being saved from the power of sin on their life all the years of their life. And so the way we do that is we keep the Word of God in our homes, before our kids, in our lifestyle. The, the way mom and dad apply the Word of God to their own marriage before their children. That is hard work. And that is a, a, a work that I want to commend moms on today for doing such a great job of planting that seed. Secondly, I want us to look at a mother's tears. As she's working here, she's weeping. She goes forth. She she is, verse 5, sowing in tears. Verse 6, she goes forth weeping. Here's something I discovered. And some of you would have to say, as a matter of fact, I should get an amen from the fellows about this here in just a moment. But if a mom's preaching and teaching doesn't get through to you, her tears will. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) If a mama's preaching and teaching doesn't get through to you, her tears will will. They'll get hold of you. There's something about a mom crying for her babies. There's something about a mom crying for her kids. There's something about mom getting hold of God in prayer and weeping. Something I even heard my grandmother do when I was a child as she prayed at bedtime for me and my cousins and everybody else to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. May we never get to the point that we have a generation of moms who can't cry for their children. Thank God for moms who have wept, who have wept and, and cried for their children. Mother Israel longed and prayed for a day that her children would return. Weeping reflects the depth of passion that Israel had as a nation for the children to come home. And when a mother begins to weep, I believe that in her prayer life, as she's weeping before God for a lost child, for a child that's gone astray, for a child that is in bondage, a child struggling with addiction, when a mom begins to weep at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and take hold of Him, something about a mom in those moments just simply doesn't let go. I remember watching 
with many of you the movie Courageous, where at the beginning the, the man is, is going to uh, pay for his gas or, or something at a gas pump, and his daughter is in a car seat in the back seat, and, and a car thief steals the truck. And the man, knowing his daughter's in the back seat, jumps on and hangs on to the truck and fights and fights and fights and doesn't let go until he brings the truck off to the side of the road. And, and someone says, I can't believe you did that for a truck. And he said, I, I didn't do it for the truck. I did it because my daughter was in the truck. The same thing that that man did physically, so many mothers have done spiritually. They've taken hold of that which would carry us astray. And they said, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go because I want to see my child saved and, and, and delivered and, and loving God and serving God. Moms, don't apologize for crying for your kids. Don't ever lose the ability to cry out to God on behalf of your children. Psalm 56 and verse 8, For you, mom, some of you have been crying for for months or even years for children. Psalm 56 verse 8 tells us God keeps those tears in a bottle. So was that literal or allegorical? Does it matter? He's God. He knows every tear you cry for those kids. Psalm 40 in verse 1, the psalmist said, I waited patiently on the Lord and He heard my cry. And mom, sometimes it will take a lot of patience. Keep crying out. God hears your cry. God hears your cries. Don't give up. You see the mother's task. You see the mother's tears. Let's think about the mother's trophy. What does she get for all of this? I'll tell you, not enough from the rest of us. (laughs) Not, Not enough from the rest of us. I can't thank my wife enough for what she has invested in my children and our family. I can't thank my mother enough for what she did for me as a child and growing up, and even today. What does she get for this? He says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. That's a mother's trophy. The reaping in joy. When she goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, she shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves. What is that? That's the the sheaves were the fruit of the labor, agricultural labor. It brought a harvest day. Listen to what Scripture says. Do not become weary, Galatians 6 and 9 says, in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In other words, there's going to come a harvest day, Mom. Hang in there. You keep sowing, you keep planting, and there's going to come a reaping one day. Proverbs 31 and verse 28 says, Her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband praises her. Her children become her trophies of grace. That's a mother's trophy. It's not workplace promotions. It's not the praise of an increasingly liberal world from pulling away from the family. It's it's not material things that, that money can buy in this world. A mama's trophy. You want to know where my wife's trophies are this morning? They're sitting on her right and on her left. That's a mom's trophies. When she comes rejoicing, when she's able to say, My boy, that's my girl, that's my son, that's my daughter. They've come back to God. They're loving Jesus. They're living for Him. That's a trophy of God's grace, but it's a trophy so many times, of a mother's love. Of a mother's love. 
So moms, hang in there. Don't give up. In due season, you'll reap if you faint not. One verse and we're done. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain. That task is not in vain. Those tears are not in vain. There will be a trophy. You will see trophies of grace in God's time if we faint not. Would you bow your heads with me?